0: Welcome to the Kotki Ride Home for Monday, March 29th, 2021, I'm Jackson Bird. A new fossil analysis that bolsters the theory that primates may have lived alongside dinosaurs and somehow survived extinction. The high school girl who invented color-changing sutures that show when a wound has become infected. And why the filter, made famous from the viral Lawyer Cat video, was installed as a default setting on thousands of Dell computers. Here are some of the cool things from the news today. Did ancient primates, the precursor to all modern primates, including humans, live alongside dinosaurs? The theory has been batted around over the years, but a new study published this year in the journal Royal Society Open Science provides further evidence that that may have indeed been the case. The study is based on a new analysis of fossil teeth from the collection at the University of California Museum of Paleontology in Berkeley. Those teeth were just laying undisturbed and uncategorized in a drawer at the museum until then-grad student Gregory Wilson-Mantilla happened upon them in 2003. The teeth are credited with originally having been found by the late William Clemens, a prolific fossil hunter and expert on the mammals of the Mesozoic era, who spent most of his time working in the Hell Creek Formation in Montana, and who unfortunately passed away from cancer in November. The Badlands of Montana, as you may know from Jurassic Park, is one of the best places to find evidence about the last dinosaurs and their extinction. Hell Creek Formation specifically, quoting National Geographic, "...is critical to understanding what killed off non-avian dinosaurs and how life evolved afterwards. Its rocks preserve a timeline of life on Earth stretching from 2 million years before the mass extinction to about a million years after, one of the few places in the world where fossils can be found on both sides of that boundary." End quote. Skeptical that it was the asteroid alone and not other, at the time, ongoing factors that led to the dinosaurs' extinction, Clemens focused on studying other animals that lived alongside the dinosaurs and potentially lived through the extinction event. Other animals, potentially including ancient primates. Now, there are two main schools of thought when it comes to primates' origins. One is that the lineage began about 56 million years ago, or roughly 9 million years after dinosaurs went extinct. The other goes back further, to plesiodapiformes, a group of mammals with teeth and skeletons like modern primates, but without the forward-facing eyes and large brains. Whether or not you consider plesiodapiforms true primates basically decides which camp you fall into— The oldest plesiodapiform fossils that we had of a genus named Purgatorius after their discovery in Purgatory, Montana, date back to 65 million years ago, right around the time dinosaurs went extinct. But some suspect Purgatorius goes back even further. Quoting again, Evolutionary models and genetic studies of modern primates suggest the first primate relatives originated about 81.5 million years ago, during the Cretaceous period, but a dearth of fossil evidence from this time has made it impossible for paleontologists to confirm the theory, end quote. And so, we go back to the teeth Wilson Mantilla found in a drawer in 2003— Several years later, he teamed up with Clemens and spent several years occasionally examining various fossil fragments that may have belonged to Purgatorius, but other work and life stalled him on analyzing and finding his findings until a couple years ago. Quoting Berkeley News, The analysis showed that the teeth are the earliest known fossil evidence of any primate, dating from about 65.9 million years ago, 105,000 to 139,000 years after Cretaceous-Paleogene boundary 66 million years ago that signaled the end of the dinosaur era, except for dinosaurs' descendants, the birds. Based on the age of the fossils, the research team estimates that the ancestors of all primates, a group that also includes today's lemurs and monkeys, likely emerged by the late Cretaceous and lived alongside large dinosaurs. End quote. And again from National Geographic, quote, After pouring over dozens of assorted Purgatorius jawbone fragments from Hell Creek, the team became confident that they had identified a new species in addition to remains from the known species Purgatorius genese. They named the new species Purgatorius mckeevery, after a family of Montana ranchers who have allowed Clements and his colleagues to work on their land. The existence of two species from this time suggests that the plesiodapaform's lineage stretches back into the Cretaceous. If that is the case, it raises questions about how our ancestors survived the mass extinction event, end quote. One hypothesis is plants that were beginning to bear more fleshy fruits with larger seeds, and the Purgatorius who had short, round teeth, great for grinding up fruit, and in contrast to the pointy teeth of many other mammals at the time. The Purgatorius could also access the fruit up in the trees while avoiding predators on the ground. And this became even more advantageous after the extinction event when fruit got bigger and plesiodapiforms exploded in population. These recent analyses don't confirm or answer all of the questions, many may still want to see a more clear link between Plesiadapiforms and later primates, but Wilson Mantilla and his colleagues still have 1,500 more teeth and jawbone fragments from Clemens's collection to study, and they're searching for more parts of the Purgatorius skeleton in the Berkeley collection. Stephen Chester, co-author on the paper, said of finding that link, quote, "...with any luck we will find one in my lifetime." or we'll find the fossil that shows that we're completely wrong." End quote. A 17-year-old Iowa City high schooler has invented color-changing sutures that can detect when a wound is infected. Deja Taylor developed the technology for her local science fair, winning several regional fairs before advancing to the national level and becoming a Regeneron Science Talent Search finalist. Quoting Smithsonian Magazine, Taylor had read about sutures coated with a conductive material that can sense the status of a wound by changes in electrical resistance and relay that information to the smartphones or computers of patients and doctors. Now, while these smart sutures could help in the United States, the expensive tool might be less applicable to people in developing countries where Internet access and mobile technology is sometimes lacking. And yet the need is there. On average, 11 percent of surgical wounds develop an infection in low and middle income countries, according to the World Health Organization, compared to between two and four percent of surgeries in the U.S., and infections after cesarean sections particularly caught Taylor's attention. In some African nations, up to 20% of women who give birth by C-section then develop surgical site infections. But smartphone access is markedly different. A BBC survey published in 2016 found that in Sierra Leone, about 53% of people own mobile phones, and about three-quarters of those owned basic cell phones, not smartphones. End quote. Taylor is passionate about racial equity. In addition to setting her sights on becoming a lawyer after attending Howard University, she's already a regular advocate for anti-racist curricula at school board meetings and has been a guest speaker on the topic at several conferences. So it's not entirely surprising that she wanted to find a more equitable solution to the problem of surgical wound infections. Quoting again, Healthy human skin is naturally acidic, with a pH around 5. But when a wound becomes infected, its pH goes up to about 9. Changes in pH can be detected without electronics. Many fruits and vegetables are natural indicators that change color at different pH levels. I found that beets changed color at the perfect pH point, says Taylor. Bright red beet juice turns dark purple at a pH of 9. And that's perfect for an infected wound. And so I was like, oh, okay, so beets is where it's at. Next, Taylor had to find a suture thread that would hold on to the dye. She tested 10 different materials, including standard suture thread, for how well they picked up and held the dye, whether the dye changed color when its pH changed, and how their thickness compared to a standard suture thread. A cotton-polyester blend checked all the boxes. After five minutes under an infection-like pH, the cotton-polyester thread changes from bright red to dark purple. After three days, the purple fades to light gray. End quote. Now, a few complications will need to be sussed out, including making the color-changing thread competitive with the current suture thread, which is strong, affordable, and not irritating. There's also the matter of infections that occur below the surface of a wound, as is the case for some elements of C-sections. And there's the fear that the absorbency of the cotton thread that works so well to hold the beet juice dye could also hold bacteria. Taylor's already working on that, though. Some studies claim that beet juice is antibacterial, and to test that, Taylor teamed up with microbiologist Teresa Ho from the University of Iowa to craft a research plan. Now, while there is a ways to go before and if this technology can be implemented, experts like Catherine Chu, the director of the Center for Global Surgery at Stellenbosch University in South Africa, are impressed and say that such a product would be extremely valuable. With such a diverse set of skills already and focused passion, I have a feeling Deja Taylor might be one to keep our eyes on. Alright, so towards the start of February, a clip went viral in which a lawyer attending a remote hearing on Zoom can't get rid of a cat filter on his face. The circumstance was funny enough, but two things I think made it especially great the lawyer's well-timed comments on the filter, I'm here live, I'm not a cat, and the uncannily emotive expressions on the cat's face. Now, as you might have heard, the lawyer in question, Rod ponton got milkshake-ducked in record time. Milkshake ducking, based on a 2016 tweet from Pixelated Boat, is what some very online people call the phenomenon of the internet falling in love with someone only to quickly learn that they have a problematic past. In Ponton's case, it was quickly revealed that he allegedly used his power as a district attorney to harass an ex. But this segment is not about Rod Ponton. This segment is about why that cat filter was there in the first place. And not just on his laptop, but as the default setting on thousands of Dell computers' webcams. The New Yorker recently produced a video diving into the strange history of the filter, and here's what they found. So first, part of why the video call was so funny, like I said, was that the filter is so good. You can see the panic and confusion in the kitten's eyes as the lawyer is trying to fix the situation. It was clear this wasn't just a regular Zoom filter, this was something next level. So you may be surprised to learn that the filter was actually created almost 20 years ago. John Martin, the vice president of Reillusion, explains that they originally designed it as a part of Crazy Talk, their flagship 2D facial animation software that they originally launched in 2000. Several years later, they were hired to develop software that would accompany the Creative Labs webcams used on many Dell computers. The way the facial animation worked, as Martin described it, was it could identify your nose and mouth and then map a mask onto that, and from there it used auto-animation and lip-syncing to make it look like it was speaking for you and expressing a bit of your emotions. This was the early 2000s, so this tech was way ahead of its time, and Martin recounts that people would respond to it like, That's cool, but what are you supposed to do with it? John Rose, the CTO at Dell Technologies, told The New Yorker that Dell knew exactly what to do with it. Back in the early days of webcams, the resolution was horrible. They knew that, for some people, having an avatar that could move and blink along with you would actually be a better visual experience than a grainy, pixelated video. This is one of those ways, he points out, that some technology that enters the market can at first seem irreverent just for laughs, but it can pave the way for more functional tech in the future, tech we eventually realize a need for. But all right, so that's how the cat filter got onto Dell computers, but how did it become a default setting? That's something no one in the New Yorker video explains, although most do speculate that there was simply an engineer at Dell with a sense of humor. Because it was a default setting on some models, however, lawyer Rod Ponton was not the first one to get punked by the filter. Dr. Paul Breaker, an assistant professor at St. Louis University, was asked to do a Skype call for his very first job interview to be a professor back in 2012, something rare enough that he hadn't logged onto Skype on that computer before. He got onto the call for the interview, and his face was a kitten. He panicked, trying to get rid of it while also marveling at how advanced the technology was. While he eventually managed to turn it off, he did not get the job. Breaker turned to the internet to try to find an explanation for what had happened, and stumbled on a blog post explaining the filter and how to turn it off, but even more remarkably, there were TONS of comments beneath the post from people saying that they'd had the same problem. So this was no isolated incident. The kitten had been punking people for over a decade. But just who is this kitten? The New Yorker found that out too. The kitten is actually based on a real kitten. It seems like the photo it was based on came from a photography class, and the photo and the cat belonged to a Taiwanese photographer named Loma. Loma's family had two cats, Meow Meow and Little Adorable, who in 2003 had five kittens. Loma called the kittens the mice, and therefore our famous kitten, who was the firstborn, was named Eldest Mouse. Unfortunately, the kittens ended up being sold to a pet store, so we don't know what became of Eldest Mouse since then, but as Martin from Reillusion says, we can optimistically imagine that Eldest Mouse and their siblings went on to have happy, long lives with nice owners. But just like we may never know who at Dell decided to install Eldest Mouse's avatar as the default setting on the webcams, we also may never know what really happened to Eldest Mouse. What we do know is that the avatar has brought a bit of misfortune to some, but lots and lots of laughter to others. So thank you, Eldest Mouse, wherever you are. So, ever given, the container ship stuck in the Suez Canal is officially afloat and traffic is slowly beginning to move again. But if you are a bored sailor still stuck and waiting on your turn to get through, don't worry, someone has built you a dating app. Called Forever Given, it will help you, quote, meet other singles stuck in the Suez Canal. You can select your trade, crude oil tanker, container ship officer, steward, deckhand, and more, as well as which type of trade person you're looking for, same options, and then also share the name of your vessel. As the site says, quote, With Forever Given, the international waterway's most popular free dating app, there's thousands of other single people just a quick raft ride away, and they're all ready to meet someone like you. The Ever Given can block global trade, but it can't stop Forever Given from finding you love. End quote. Alright, but quasi more seriously, especially since most people aren't stuck in the canal anymore, and I doubt any of them who are, are listening to the Kotki Ride Home. Although, dang, I mean, if you are, please drop a line, let us know what it's like over there. (laughs) But maybe this is more your speed a dating group for people who are really into public transit. Called NumTinder, a spinoff of another group called NumTots, which stands for New Urbanist Memes for Transit-Oriented Teens. Except that it's not really for teens. It's a Facebook group for people that, quoting The Atlantic, consider liking public transportation to be a core part of their personality or those for whom a lack of interest in urban planning is a deal-breaker. End quote. And if you're more interested in thirst traps than a serious relationship, there's another spin-off group called Numb Thoughts, where people post steamy, transit-themed nudes. Or really, semi-nude, in keeping with Facebook's content moderation. But there you go. Whether you're into ships or trains, I apparently have you covered today. But that is it. As always, this show was produced by Ride Home Media and katki.org. I am Jackson Bird, and I will talk to you again tomorrow.